So I'm sitting here with Troy, a good friend of mine who we've been watching movies together for a very long time. We have been friends for a very long time since what third grade? Oh, third grade. Man. Yeah, I uh, I remember that uh, you and I <laughs> met on the playground at uh, our elementary school in uh, Texas. Do, do you do you want to tell that story? Well, the deep, uh, you're you're much better at telling it because I'm in the end I was right the whole time, but you tell the story better. You have to okay. You got to picture this in our playground. There was a fence, just like one of those. What, what do you call those fence? Hurricane fence or like a yeah the like a, ch- a chain link fence. Chain link fence. Kind of yeah. like an H. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of had an H. I guess like as a backstop if somebody want to play softball or whatever. Uh, we were playing kickball, but it wasn't traditional kickball basically it was just a a group of kids on either side of this fence and they were just kicking this big kickball back and forth to each other over the fence and i was way far back i was way far back from the fence and the ball got kicked to me it's a big (laughs) ball it i mean bigger than a basketball i mean this is like almost almost beach ball size i got it and i was rearing back to kick it Obviously, I should have been far closer to the fence if I thought I was going to get it over the fence because this kid comes up to me and says, you know, you're not going to make it over the fence. You're going to pop it on top of the fence. I knew it was going to be bad, but I went for it anyway, even though uh, this small kid who turned out to be Troy warned me that I should not kick from that far distance, but I did anyway, and sure enough, the kickball like like flies and smacks into the fence and explodes <laughs> now and then it was just the sound of like an exploding uh kickball and you know 30 <laughs> kids just going oh <laughs> just exactly yeah and in true and in true Troy fashion I probably ran away to get as far I think away we both probably ran and then that was it and then you know we we're friends ever since in that weird, like third gradeish way that you're just all of a sudden like best friends with somebody <laughs> for no good reason. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty good reason, but we like play baseball and football together and uh, whatnot. So yeah, literally since, I mean, I don't even know what year that was. What year was that? Third grade. Is that 90? I, I guess that would have to two? be 90, 90, Two, nine, eight, yeah, something like that. That's a long time ago. I mean, I'm doing the math in my yeah. head. So, <laughs> nine, nine, yeah, nine, one, nine, two. Yeah, man, that's way back. But uh, today, Troy and I are going to talk about two movies. One of them is definitely well known. That would be uh, National Lampoon's Vacation with Chevy Chase, and the other, at least to me, it wasn't very well known, and I don't think it's very. Well, I think Funny Farm is well-known in the Chevy Chase canon. I just don't think it's as appreciated as it probably should be. Would you agree with that? I agree. So I, I think it's more uh, more of a performance than an appearance you know, by Chevy Chase. I think there's not as many gags in this one. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like he's more straight of a character with a few of his little gags that you normally see. But uh, it's it's a pretty overall performance, more of a straight, you know, straight-laced kind of that optimistic, hopelessly optimistic husband he always plays. And, uh, and of course, it all 
that optimism term yeah. melts down and then it is that redemption after the meltdown which you normally see from his types of movies. Yeah. Well, I was surprised that this that Funny Farm was based on a novel, like a short comedic novel. I guess we can go ahead and uh just so everybody has a a foundation, uh I'll just read the Rotten Tomatoes synopsis. So in case you haven't realized <laughs> the common thread between these two movies is Chevy Chase. Yeah, so Chevy Chase stars as Andy Farmer, a sports writer who moves with his schoolteacher wife, Elizabeth, played by Madeline Smith, to the country in order to write a novel in relative seclusion. Uh, Of course, seclusion is the last thing the farmers find in the small, eccentric town where disaster awaits them at every turn. It was in theaters in June of 88, which uh, this movie... uh, is definitely a part of the uh, Tour Day 1988 series I have on the website, the uh, No End Credits website. So this uh, review of this should be going up uh, fairly soon. But it was directed by uh, George Roy Hill, uh, who also directed Sting and Slapshot. And he was a... Yeah, he had a, a lot of credits under his belt and had a lot of Oscar nominations. In fact... In his filmography, he's won a to- like films he's been a part of have won a total of thirteen Oscars. That's incredible. <laughs> That's like why wow. It's like Coppola uh, <laughs> status, you know. Uh, let's see, one uh, thoroughly modern Millie uh, won an Oscar for Oscar wins for Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, which, by the way, was the very first movie I ever watched on DVD. Let's see, Oscar. Seven Oscar wins by The Sting and one by something called A Little Romance. I've never seen that movie. I've never heard of it. But I have heard of Slapshot. Have you seen that? I know you're kind of a Paul Newman guy. Paul Newman, yeah, and has the uh, the Hanson brothers in it. It's been a, it's been a while since I have seen it, but yeah, it's a it's a good Paul Newman flick. And there's a really good McCracken's song called Slapshot about hockey. I don't think it has anything to do with the movie, or maybe it does. I don't know. I guess it's just a pretty it's pretty generic hockey term i guess yeah um (laughs) okay so funny farm this was the first time i had seen it so i had i really had no idea it was always one of those movies i saw on the on the shelf at the video store but i never picked it up uh just never really had any I, i never really wanted to see it maybe because i loved caddyshack and i loved national lampoon's vacation and they're really wasn't a whole lot that could be added to that other than maybe Christmas Vacation. You know, if you have those three movies, <laughs> there's not a whole lot else you need from Chevy. Like, that, that that's like the pinnacle of comedy, really. I mean, what do you think? You like Fletch, though. You're, you're a Fletch fan, right? I remember saying uh, F- Fletch was good. It's it's one of those, it's almost the same type of character from Caddyshack, the, you know, the man that can do everything, and, you know, he's the cool guy. And, uh, but then when you, See National Lampoon's Vacation and Christmas Vacation, and then Funny Farm. You see a, like I said, that hopelessly optimistic husband, and he's yeah. just he's the every he's not the everyday fool like in the uh, one of the first lines of Vacation where he says I'm not your yeah. everyday average fool because he's not he's a he he's a totally different type of fool he's just an incredible fool that he yeah. just, but <laughs> he just has to he thinks he's gonna have do everything the right way and it it all falls apart for him. So he's yeah. not, he's right. He's not your everyday average fool. Whenever I turned on funny farm for the first time, my, uh, seven week year old son 
sat and was attentively watching parts of the movie. Like he was looking at the screen watching the movie. And I was like, what is going on? Like that that's some <laughs> kind of uh some kind of screen magic that have a seven week old <laughs> pay attention. But uh really the it's it's a collection of scenes. It really is just kind of a collection of scenes and running gags. There's probably about three or four running gags in in the movie where you have um like the uh, the ducks, the dog, yellow dog. Uh, you have the fishing guys, the um, the the three guys who are on the fishing derby. They keep reappearing, and the one guy keeps wanting to choke <laughs> out um, Chevy, um, who play his character's name is Andy Farmer. Uh, so the 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 fishing derby guy keeps wanting to choke out Andy. There are several just kind of like these threads that run through the movie. So th- there there's a plot. But there's a lot of gags in it. And also, there was some really funny kind of callbacks. I don't know how conscious conscience they were. Uh, did you notice this? That both Funny Farm and Vacation have a scene where Chevy and the uh, actor, actress playing his wife are in like a motel. And they're drinking like wine or champagne. Yeah. In like plastic cups, like there's that scene, and also in both movies there is kind of this weird kind of cavalier attitude, this kind of irreverence for, for like, uh, mortal remains. Like both movies have, like in in uh, Vacation, obviously you know Aunt Edna is stuck on the roof of the truckster, uh, and they just kind of like wrap her up and put her on. Uh, on the cousin's deck, kind of wrap a wrap a umbrella over, and then you have uh, where he kind of falls down in the desert, and he falls next to that skeleton yeah. that's looking at him, but he doesn't mention it. Like he goes back to the gas station, and like, there's like a body out there, but we never hear from it again. I'm feeling like that's that was a hallucination he was having, and it yeah. kind of made it look, you know, they they made it as real as possible. I think that was just him going crazy out there in the desert, but it's still you would think seeing something that he would bring that up that traumatic. yeah and also the fact that yellow dog you know brings a human arm uh this like the skeleton the, the bones of a human arm into the the living room during the christmas party <laughs> <laughs> and she like the wife throws it in the garbage can and like hits the dog on the head with the frying pan it's like very dark yeah they, they've had enough of that body in the backyard she was just tired of it she didn't even care anymore <laughs> well, okay, what, what was was his name? Callahan? What was the guy's name? Um, it was like something Callahan. But I do remember, I do. Oh, Claude. It was Claude, Claude Musselman. Musselman. That's it. That's yeah. it. Claude Musselman. Okay, so uh, Claude Musselman was a guy. Uh, I guess he lived in the, he lived in the town before uh, the farmers moved in, but uh, he was buried in their garden. And apparently, he also used to run with a woman named Dorita Freeburger. <laughs> Dorita Freeburger, yeah, that's that was a, that's one of the great names right there. I lost it because uh, I <laughs> I know I, Troy, you you also appreciate watching uh, movies and TV with the captions on. Yes. So I had the captions on, and you know sometimes the uh, captions will pop up before the person actually says the words. And that that may have been a time where Dorita Freeburger popped up on the screen before the guy actually said it. It's like, what kind of name is this? It was funny. If you haven't seen the movie 
Andy's wife, who's her name is escaping me now. Elizabeth. Played by Madeline Smith. Elizabeth, his wife Elizabeth, yeah. Elizabeth is out in their garden, and uh, she's digging around, and she finds a casket buried in their garden. She gets some of the town guys. It looks like just the like tow truck drivers come <laughs> and dig up the casket for them, and uh, Dorita Freeburger's inside. And or, or no, Claude Musselman's yeah. inside, and then everybody kind of reminisces about Dorita Freeburger. And one of the guys who pulls the casket out was actually the actor who played Dauber in Coach. Do you me- do you remember that? Did you ever watch that show? Oh yes, I've, uh, Dauber, uh, Hay- Hayden Fox. What a classic mm-hmm. name that is, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so also, I noticed that one of the one of the movers was the same guy who plays the gangster in Dumb and Dumber. Oh, the the original movers from the beginning of the movie, yes, yes, yes. And he 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 pops some uh, pain medication yes. like he does in Dumb and Dumber. That's like his. That's thing. exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> That's his one character that he does. Yes, yes, yeah, like the uh, totally totally burned out New York guy. Speaking of which, um, Chevy like totally plays the bicoastal man in this movie. He's wearing a Mets hat. In an L.A. Rams shirt, and and he also wears in some parts a seersucker uh, jacket. So, is he's he's like covering all his bases. He lives in New England. He's wearing a Mets hat, uh, has a West Coast football team shirt on, and a seersucker jacket, which you would find in the deep south in the summertime. So that this guy is cultured. He's cultured as all get out. And and it's and it's not unusual when you see you, when you see someone in a ball cap and a t shirt and a a blazer like that it just doesn't fit but when he's wearing it it just seems normal like it's ah, that's all right it also seems normal when he throws a cup of hot coffee at a bird in the <laughs> outside his window he loved that bird for about two minutes and yeah then got on his nerves yeah so what was with this these. Again, another running gag. This these guys who were sawing down all these road signs. What was that about? Is there like a black market in in Redbud, Vermont? <laughs> Apparently, there were for those guys because they wanted to put the one back up, but he said, uh, "Oh, we, this one doesn't have any bullet holes or anything in it." <laughs> the people are getting killed left and right, They're flying off roadways, missing turns, but. He's going to get five bucks for that perfect sign with yeah. those bullet holes. Yeah. So, what was the part? What was the funniest part to you in in uh, in uh, Funny Farm? What's the funniest part to you in Funny Farm? To me, the the funniest part. It's kind of early in the movie. They're still moving in. Andy goes out fishing in the lake for the first time. He throws the line out there in his pond and almost hits the ducks. And then he starts reeling in, and he catches something real, real hard. It's fighting him, and he's screaming at his wife. She's in there with the headphones on, dancing around, moving stuff. And all of a sudden, this giant looks like a, a moccasin, come like or an eel or something. It comes flying out of the, out of the pond at his face. It, the fishing line wraps around him. He he takes <laughs> off running to the house. And all of a sudden, he looks back because the the fishing line's wrapped around him. The snake or the eel is following him, like right behind him. And he takes off running. He's freaking out. He runs around. He's trying to find a rock to get it off of him. He can't find it, and it runs into the house. And and then she screams. That part was 
It was so funny. <laughs> I, I was laughing so hard. And it, it's it's such a simple gag. It's not like it's super sophisticated or anything. He pulls like a snake out of the out of the pond and it, it it's like attached to the attached to the line still. I mean, it's so simple, but it's just the delivery. It's the delivery that sells it. It's so when funny. he turns back to see where it is and it's right behind him, he freaks out and takes off even that's so good. The timing is great on it. Oh, <laughs> uh. Okay, the part I think that got I that got the biggest laugh from me was at the Christmas party at the end of the movie. Okay, let me just kind of lay the groundwork here. So, more more specifically, toward the end of the film, Andy and Elizabeth are trying to sell their house in Redbud, Vermont. Things haven't worked out, and they strike a deal with the town that they will give money to the town and also give $50 bonuses to all the townspeople if they act real kind of Norman Rockwell Americana around potential buyers uh, of the house so they can hurry up and sell the house. So they get people kind of play acting that this is a really like warm Rockwell-ish town. And uh, so they'll get bon- they'll get paid a bonus if they... Uh, pull it off really well so they have a bunch of people over at their house while they have potential buyers at the house and it's around christmas time everybody's singing christmas carols they're singing joy to the world and everybody kind of there's like a lull in the singing and a chevy chase just sings joy and every like the guy cuts him off and like gives like a cheer like an eggnog cheers like it's so i cannot explain it maybe i'll put the audio up or something cannot that's that's so funny to me it's it's so funny but that's like one of those parts of i feel like if i showed somebody it it probably they probably i don't know you just have to have a certain kind of sense of humor probably to get something like that it was his his delivery also he didn't sing it the normal like the normal way you would hear the word it was just had this tone to it that was deeper it was it was it was not it was almost like it wasn't even english when he was singing it it was so Oh, okay, so another connection I saw of this movie to Vacation was the fact that the car they drive is a wood-paneled, truckster-style car. Uh, from the home buyers, not not the farmers, but the home buyers pull up. That's right, And yeah. uh, they're driving like this wood-paneled truckster that you see uh, in Vacation, except I don't think it's green, but uh, I don't know why I was noticing all that stuff. I, I, I feel like there was something else. Let me look at my notes here. Whenever he is upstairs and he's writing his novel, so he they they go to they move to Redbud, Vermont, so Andy can write his novel. And he gets up into his writing room, his little office. He gets everything set up. He has his typewriter there. He puts a piece of paper in, gets it all set up. He types, you know, chapter one. The and then he sits there, and he doesn't know what to type next. He can only type the word the, and he sits there, and he's trying to think of what to type next, and he falls asleep. And it totally reminded me of the Mr. Blue scene in Vacation where he falls asleep at the wheel. <laughs> Which is, I think that was like one of your favorite parts in the movie, 
in, in vacation for well yeah just because of the the way it's delivered on on screen they shows the kids in the background they're asleep it, it leans over you know pans over to uh ellen and she's asleep and then it just slowly pans over to him and he's driving down the highway passed out head up on the seat just passed it's just the yeah. perfect it's just the, yeah. the delivery the timing how it happens it's it's good it's a great scene it just it's it, it's delivered perfectly in that setting right there now we could have easily done uh the movie city slickers instead of funny farm funny farm and city slickers have a lot in common in the fact that we have new york guys who are in the boonies <laughs> and they both wear mets hats i was like what is it about like like the Met is the Mets hat just like the most urban of all uh like baseball hats? I I baseball caps. I, see that's what gets me. I'm not sure why Billy Crystal would choose that because isn't he a, a a large like a, a big Yankees fan? That's what I thought was he unusual. I thought, I thought he was a uh, just a giant Yankees fan. I thought he even made a movie about the Yankees. Yeah. So. Well, maybe maybe because the both movies are comedies. Maybe the Mets are just funnier. I guess so. The, the, lovable, <laughs> you know? the lovable losers, the lovable Mets, yeah. With the big apple in center field, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> it's easier to get a laugh. Yeah, I guess it would be. It would be because it would be hard to, uh, you know, laugh. It's hard to laugh at Darth Vader. So it would be hard to laugh at the New York Mets. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, the New York Yankees. You know, it, it's... It's kind of the same principle. It, it might be harder to like the character too, just for some people, Ooh, you know, especially yeah. maybe in the South or, or certain areas may not, you know, there's probably not, there's many people that hate the Yankees that like the Yankees. So it may not be, it may be hard to like that character. You know what though? I see no shortage of Cubs swag, especially in these Harold Ramis films or like John Candy film, like uh, Bill Murray, like they're all wearing Cubs swag. They're all Cubs fans. Like, like for instance, just on, on the uh, on the website uh, yesterday, I posted a um, something about the Couch Trip, the Dan Aykroyd movie and Walter Matthau film, and I think it's set part of it's set in uh, Illinois, but they're, they're Cubs fans uh, in that movie. So I don't know. I, I guess because they all kind of worked in that area. There, uh, Troy and I are both solidly Astros fans. Astros, no doubt. Um, okay, so did okay. I had never seen Funny Farm, so uh, before we move on to vacation, was there anything else in terms of memories? Like, do you remember the first time you watched it, or like kind of around the first time? Like, uh, well, I remember it had to be the late '80s when I first saw it. It came out in '88, and I don't think we saw it right then. I probably remember seeing it on on VHS, rented from the the movie store. But I just remember thinking. Uh, are all small town people hated big city people that you know outsiders and coming from the small town we came from I never thought of us as a small town back then I thought we were just a you know a city I didn't think we were the small town and that was it was an odd thing to me you know they're like the one scene where the movers are trying to find Redbud and he says hey Mac can you tell me which way to Redbud and he says how'd you know my name was Mac I just guess. Yeah. And he says, well, then you can guess your way to Redbud. Like, you know, like this, uh, so hateful to someone just asking for directions. Just try, like, this is a big city, you know, mover. We're not, we, you know, I don't care for him. So 
And I, that was I totally forgot about that. That was one of the things that made me think, wow, why are so people, why are they so hateful to just a big city outsider just because they're a out, big city outsider? I didn't understand that. Vacation is from Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the first film in the Vacation comedy franchise stars Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold, an ad executive who becomes consumed with taking his family cross-country to Wally World, a California amusement park. Less a vacation than a descent into an American kind of hell. The Griswolds suffer through an endless series of catastrophes culminating in a run-in with the law. Yeah, so it was in theaters in July of 83. It, this is definitely an 80s movie. It, it kind of has an 80s feel to it. Definitely has an 80s feel with the uh, soundtrack, most definitely. this I, I should definitely post something about the soundtrack to this movie because it's so, so diverse. You have Lindsey Buckingham, you have the Ramones, you have Vanity Six, which uh, is, you know, kind of has that Prince connection, which three very different styles and those are kind of the three most memorable uh songs you had the holiday road dancing across the usa of course blitzkrieg bop and then he's so dull this is one of those movies troy you and i watched a lot growing up like constantly we watched this on vhs all the time we i mean we Probably second only to Caddyshack. I, I would I would say so. This is one of those ones where you just and no matter when it's on, you, if it's on TV, even though they you know the edited version is never as good as the uh, the original version, but anytime it's on, you just have to, to for me just stop and watch it, no matter where you are, because you know what lines are coming, you know what they're gonna say, and you just have to sit there and watch it. And and I, I'll say the lines before they're even delivered. I'll, yeah. You know, it's so it's one of those ones where I know everything about it and still can't get enough of it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a movie that is extremely quotable. It's very quotable. I mean, right up there with uh, Caddyshack. Well, I mean, Caddyshack and Vacation were both directed by Harold Ramis, and apparently he was very uh, fast and loose with the script and would allow a lot of Im- improv from the actors. So I know. Uh, I imagine a lot of that stuff just came from uh, just came from the actors. Like they came up with those lines on the spot, right? Rather than being written for the movie. I mean, that's my guess. Yeah, I know the scene with the with Clark and the uh, motorcycle cop. That was all ad lib when they when they find the dog dead on the road really? after he left it on the uh, on the bumper. That. Yeah, that was all ad lib. That whole scene, which you could tell because there's not too much said except for i mean the one of the better lines is uh do you know the penalty for animal cruelty in this state (laughs) no sir i don't well it's probably pretty stiff and just (laughs) i mean just in tears and you can almost see them cracking smiles just because it's it's a good scene you can tell they're they're hitting it pretty heavy so it's it's a it's a good scene and you know it's not one. It's not particularly sad either because that dog was kind of a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> well, to him it always it tried to it tried to get him every time. And of course, the scene before he says, "I'm going to kill that dog," and sure enough, yeah. the next scene it's he's dragging it down the road accidentally. If you haven't seen the movie, Clark ties this Aunt Edna's dog, which is vicious, 
ties him to the bumper of the car and he's packing the car and he totally forgets and he gets pulled over down the road and he that's when he finds out he finds out from the highway cop that he accidentally killed what's the dog's name uh, oh, man. dinkums i think it was what, Dink, yeah, yeah, Dinkin, yeah dinkum, dinkums dinkins or dinky <laughs> or i don't remember um dog killer <laughs> <laughs> This movie has a lot of little things to pick up on that it would take multiple viewings to catch, probably. Uh, at least it did for me. Uh, one of the first things is when they're doing dishes in the kitchen. At the very beginning of the movie, they're doing dishes in the kitchen. They are not actually <laughs> doing dishes. Uh, Ellen is scraping the food off the plate, and if you watch very carefully, she hands the plate to Clark and the dishwasher is open and the cabinet is open right above and you expect uh, Clark to put the dish into the dishwasher but he puts the dish directly into the cupboard right or right into the cabinet yeah he, he, he wipes it down with a with a like a clean rag and then just sets it <laughs> sets it up in the cabinet and doing a little research on that just reading up a little bit on it that was also one of his little things that he added That's to good. it he wanted to. He wanted to add something to the scene other than just talking. Right. So uh, that's one of the things that you you never really notice. I mean, because you're, you're seeing people doing dishes, you just don't even notice it until you really see he's not doing that yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely something that uh, it took a while, and I, I think I caught it. Uh, you know, I caught it several years ago, and it was always something I, I've noticed. Okay, so when they get lost in St. Louis, and they kind of end up on a, a rough side of town. I don't know. Did you have? Do you remember watching Vacation, the edited TV version? Like they they have specific scenes that they uh, that they obviously record or they obviously produced specifically for TV. They totally like wholesale replaced scenes in the uh, in the theatrical version uh, with scenes for TV. I, I I do remember, and I saw the alternate version after seeing the original version and that was the one of the first things i noticed is the major difference of sir can we get directions <laughs> he calls him christopher colombo <laughs> what do i look like christopher colombo that is not what he says in the theatrical version <laughs> no and clark's reaction is the same obviously for both ones yeah thank you very much which, thank you very <laughs> much <laughs> so quick and he gets back in the car it's a uh, it's a reaction. Either one of those reactions, you don't want to continue talking to that fella. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Well, it, it's one of those one of those scenes. I don't... Okay, so they spray paint something on their car. Yes. While they're in St. Louis. is that, Do you remember if that is shown in the TV version? I, I honestly can't... The little graffiti. I can't remember if it is. It seems like it would be something they would take out. It's not anything, I mean, I guess it's not vulgar, but it is just offensive. And uh, yeah. so I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they did edit that out in uh, the TV versions. Another one of the little things that it took me a while to catch, whenever Clark falls asleep at the wheel while the Mr. Blue song is playing, the camera is kind of panning to each family member. It's nighttime. And it's very slowly going in the back seat. Shows the kids, and they're all asleep. Goes to Ellen, and she's asleep, and the camera just keeps panning over to Clark, who's driving, and he's asleep. 
He's like passed out asleep. <laughs> and he kind of goes driving pell-mell through this neighborhood. And there is a uh, somebody walking their dog. This person pulls the dog up. Like by the... The, the dog's walking and the person jerks the dog up <laughs> to avoid the car and like pulls the dog up into their arms with surely i mean it's obvious it's a real dog i mean surely they had some kind of harness or something because it looks like they would like choked out this dog and i've always wondered that i was like how did they get away with a scene like that i guess in the early 80s you could get away with, with that but it seems like animal cruelty groups would have just been all yeah. over it yeah i i wonder if there was if this was before the time where movies uh, needed to have, like, like, no animals were hurt during yeah. the filming of this. So they eventually end up at Cousin Eddie's house, and uh, Cousin Eddie's kind of backwoods, kind of a uh, little redneckish, and his, uh, you know, they don't have Atari at their house, and they don't have, uh, they don't even have meat for their hamburgers. <laughs> they just toast their buns and uh, make real tomato ketchup. Real tomato ketchup, Eddie? Nothing but the best. <laughs> they are the the girls are listening to uh, Vanity Six. Which are you familiar with Vanity Six? I am not. I know that song because, of course, I can just hear it right now in my head. But I am not familiar with the actual band. It's a girl group. It's three women. It was actually put together by Prince. So it's kind of apropos for this moment. Uh, you know, he put together this girl group. But I'm just going to tell you this. If you want a uh, wild read, go look up Vanity 6 on Wikipedia because uh, some of the... Okay, just imagine this. This is around 82, 81, 82 when when the group was formed. The name that Prince wanted to call this group other than <laughs> Vanity 6. I think, I think the original name for the band was The Hookers. <laughs> oh, Nice. And and uh, kind of the, their shtick was that they would perform in their underwear. But then when you say that it was put together by Prince, it doesn't sound that crazy. Oh, well, yeah, sounds, because this, this yeah. is like right before Purple Rain where he was still yeah. kind of like way out there, especially for the time. I mean, yeah. so there, there are so many funny parts in this movie. We would be here. We'd be here all night trying to uh, break break most of them down. But... Are there, what are some of your favorite parts from the movie, just wholesale? Well, uh, there there's so many little one-liners and, and just scenes that hit you, and you don't realize it until you watch it a few times. But there's a few where Clark is just talking, where he he's at the pool with uh, Christy Brinkley's character, and he's talking about it. He's, he's He's building himself up, talking about he's a... You know, an Olympic diver and swimmer, and uh, trying to make. Yeah, well, let me let me interrupt okay. you there. And right before that, they are talking in a bar, like the hotel or motel bar. And what is up with that bar? It, it's it looks like. Know what I thought? I thought about the album cover for the Kiss album, "Music from the Elder." <laughs> like it's just like dark dark and brown, and just kind of like candles lit everywhere. Anyway. I, I don't know why that it makes me think of that. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's an it's I guess for that time that was that type of you know late seventies early eighties type of bar everything's kind of cut off from each other. You're just shag carpet. Yeah. But anyway, you were saying yeah, the, where he's he's talking himself up and then uh, 
just the line where he's he says, uh, well, that's my credo, if you have to have a credo. It's just one of those lines that he delivers. He's trying to be so cool to this lady who he doesn't even really know her name, I don't think. Well, I was going to say, you know, about the ending, uh, I was doing a little research on it. And the original ending that John Hughes wrote was that Clark, and they, they filmed this, and they played it for the uh, audience the first time the audience mm-hmm. hated it, was uh, Clark went to Roy Wally's house, kidnapped him, and I think shot him in the leg or something like that. And it turned out to be some kind of real not funny ending. I guess at the very end it was funny, but they kind of, you know, and you know, it's held that over to Christmas vacation where he, you know, got, his boss got kidnapped, brought him over and they held him, you know. So I guess they, they, they liked that ending enough to use it in another, you know, National Lampoon's movie, but that ending didn't show well, screen well when they first showed it. So they recut the new ending. Michael Anthony Hall grew like three or, or like six inches taller or something like that. So uh, they had to reshoot a bunch of stuff for the ending. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Michael Hall, I think I when I first saw Breakfast Club, it didn't occur to me that it was the same the same actor from Vacation because he just he he grew so much in that. I guess it was like three years between the two. I, I think Breakfast Club came out in '86. Yeah, yeah, only three years. Wait, wait, wait. When did Breakfast Club come out? '85. Okay, so The Breakfast Club came out in 1985. That's two years. So not that long. And really, he looks totally different. Anyway, well, like doing this project for the No End Credits website, uh, the tour of 1988, just going through uh, all the movies, or, you know, as many movies as I can uh, in that year, and thinking about these movies all coming out at the same time. And it's just very bizarre to think of all these movies being out around the same time because i just don't think about it like that i I guess i think about the movies more just in terms of uh other than my favorite actors i don't think about the chrono the what am i trying to say the the chronological order uh yeah of like when they're released uh kind of in concert with other movies did you see the new vacation uh i saw uh, it it was on hbo and i flipped through it and saw a few parts and it it was just it wasn't the same. It was like apparently the kid is that's Rusty. He's the and it's uh, I don't know. It just it it wasn't the same to me. It, it was just kind of goofy. It was a lot more gag and just not as it just wasn't the same. Obviously, it the same. I, I turned it off about fifteen minutes yeah. into it. I think I think they. I didn't like the kids. No, somebody made like an AIDS joke, and I was like, "What? Really? Like this is this the direction we're going?" And yeah. it would just seem kind of like, eh, nah. I watched something else. Yeah, I just wasn't into. I just, I just didn't get it. I never wasn't into it. Cool. So, was there anything else you want? I mean, this is, uh, like I said, this is a movie we watched a lot growing up. I, I think watched it a lot. I remember watching it at each other's house quite a bit with uh, Caddyshack. Probably, probably the most watched comedies in, I've ever seen. Yeah. All right. Well, um, did you have any parting thoughts about either movie? Uh, Funny Farm or Vacation or Chevy Chase, uh, Harold Ramis? No, the the only thing that I really thought about with Funny Farm at the end is they created this setting with these, you know, with the townsfolk and, you know, made them the way they wanted them to be. And they fell in love with that and made it made them stay. But yet, you know, in a week, those people are going to go back to the crazy people they were before. And uh, so it just made me, that was... It, made me laugh or made me just think like, well, did they not remember how this city was just a, yeah. a few days ago? And, uh, 
So uh, it shows how kind of naive they are too to the whole thing because they they love being out in the country, but they don't realize they've forgotten how yeah. crazy the people made them. Whenever they went in and filmed, they actually filmed in a Vermont town, and in order to get the trees to get that kind of autumnal look, they actually dyed the the crew actually dyed the leaves of the trees, and the trees died. The trees died. That's that would never fly today, and that was only in '88. That wasn't that long ago, really. And that that the house from that movie is up for sale right now. They have it like it's like five hundred eighty something thousand dollars. Uh, they're they're wanting a little bit much for that. It's still up for sale. Well, if if you're looking for a house in Vermont, uh, you could have the Funny Farm <laughs> house. Cool. Well, Troy, it has uh, been great chatting about. Uh, Chevy Chase with you, man. I've enjoyed it. It's uh, you, these two movies, well, especially Vacation. It's just one of my favorites. And, oh yeah. Uh, I don't even have to watch it to enjoy it. I can just I can just replay most yeah. of it in my yeah. head, and it's been it's been fun reminiscing about it with you. Likewise, man. We'll uh, we'll take care, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you again for listening. Music on the Double Back Double Feature Podcast is by Poddington Bear at poddingtonbear.com. Hit me up on Twitter. You can find me at No End Credits. And uh, please visit the website, noendcredits.com. Also, if you want to follow what I'm watching, you can always find me on Letterboxd. I'm at Curtis Movies. Also on July 5th on the No End Credits website, I posted a gif of two actors in a movie. Uh, it's a thriller. It's a like a buddy movie thriller that was released in 1988. I'm giving away two cans of High C Ecto Cooler to the first person who can name those two actors. You can just answer in the comments box below on the website or... Uh, find me on Twitter. I appreciate Troy being here again. His Twitter handle is at Maddox Onslaught. That's M-A-D-D-O-X-O-N-S-L-A-U-G-H-T, Maddox Onslaught. And also just a reminder, you know, don't let the night end when the movie's over. I'll see you later. Do not eat the truckster. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to work. We're, hey, honey, we're going to do day one. First one's here. <laughs>